1: Hello and welcome to Popers Radio. My name is Chris Hamling and tonight I take you through, well, a second to consecutive 0-0 draw. Uh, plenty of effort from Palace but not enough quality in front of goal to actually take the three points against Alan Pardew's West Brom. Uh, we'll of course be giving you our opinions but we do want to hear yours too. Go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways to get in touch with the show tonight. Look forward to hearing from you. I'll introduce the panel in just a moment but here is a short message. 29 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, homophobia doesn't need to be one of them.
3: Follow us on Twitter at Palace.
1: Right, we are then. Here is my panel for this week. We have Mr. Nicholas Gilard. You're right. Yeah, great. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, been better, been worse, average. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also have Lucy White. Hello. Hello, Lucy. Uh, I've seen you way too much this week, so I won't going to talk to you any sort of any more than that. Uh, we've also got uh, Dr. Kerners. Hello. Hello. Sorry about that. You had a little bit of a delay there. You all right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Good, good. And you've got me as well. Obviously, you have introduced me before, but uh, I'm introducing myself uh, once more. So, look, we've uh, obviously had a couple of nil-nil draws. If you listen to us in midweek. Uh, we mentioned the brighton game in passing, really. Um, there won't really be a review of that. it's, it's not much to review,, uh, but we will be doing something a little bit extra with regards to the events of that night. we feel it deserves a bit of time, but it also also deserves the full sort of story and the full fact. so're gonna put something together and uh, we'll be doing that uh, I don't know, over the course of the next week or so. hopefully I have some uh, good content from that for you. Uh, before we go any further, I do want to very, very quickly. Um, I give a nod to Mr. Gerald Holyoke, um, who left the show this week. Um, his choice, not pushed, I promise you that. Uh, it's very sad to see Gerald go, but, you know, obviously, if you're going to do something like this, you're giving away a lot of your own free time. Uh, he's, he's been with us for about five and a half years. Uh, been a great part of the show, and I know loads of you enjoy it, all of his contributions. And obviously, you can still get those if you follow him on Twitter, at the Caddy. Uh, but for the time being, you know, as things are, he's, he's, he's done his time on Homestow Radio, wants to move on. and He goes with our blessings and, uh, and our thanks as well. So thank you to Gel to for everything he's done on Homestow Radio and, and obviously all the best for everything you do in the future, mate. And uh, there we go. So sad to see the
3: old fella go. I really am. But... Uh, well, Paul we not on. being picked anymore, is he? He's got no no raison d'être.
1: He's got nothing left. <laughs> nothing left to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but you know, as one door closes, another door opens. If you think, oh, you know, I really enjoyed Joe being the, you know, the loud, opinionated one who, you know, never shy to to say what he thinks, all that kind of stuff. Well, there's now a vacancy for someone like that. So if you reckon you can out gel gel, then <laughs> obviously get in contact with us. Go to hrradio.net forward slash contact. and and give us a shout if you you feel that you can fill the void in the show that Joe undoubtedly will
3: leave there you go you can't out Joe Joe
1: You can't really no it's physically impossible but I'd like someone to try (laughs) Uh, so there we are we we move on and I say Joe Joe moves on with our best wishes so we've had uh, a couple of nil nils in a row ladies and gentlemen it's I suppose both games I look back on and feel that we perhaps could have won um, but if you look back at the, the, the West Brom game, in particular, there were moments we could have really taken advantage of. And not all down to us for missing them. There were a couple of very, very controversial instances that on first glance perhaps were a sort of a 50-50 call. But when you look back at them, we've really been hard done by in a couple of areas there. And um, I think the, the other way we've been hard done by, of course, is in... <laughs> the fact that we've just gone into that game will never yet another whole bunch of injuries. It uh, never seems to end, really. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to talk a little bit about the lineups. ups um, So in the warm-up, Nick, Julian Speroni, uh replacing Wayne Hennessy, who had a back
3: injury. Uh, it's a shame, isn't it, because obviously Wayne had a, had a great game against Brian. He did, but I, I think it was fortunate because... The best thing about that was Spironi showed Pardy why he should have picked him all them times yesterday, and that was that was um, that was the best bit about it. Um, I'd have picked Speroni anyway over Hennessy because I'm just I think the team's a lot more confident with them in front of him. Um, I didn't actually. What did he? How did he actually make uh, injure himself? Oh, it's not just to the just in the warm up. He felt. I think he's got a. a, a...
1: A pre-existing back injury, which you know might explain a few things, but is that from um, picking the ball
3: out the net so many times? <laughs> brutal, brutal, Nick. You know, but, <laughs> the old ones are the best. They are. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't. You know,
1: obviously, it was he was named in the starting lineup, which has been a bit of bone of contention. But having said that, you know, we haven't we haven't done a review of Brighton, and it's worth drawing attention to the fact that he was absolutely superb against Brighton. Did not put a foot wrong. Um, so deserved to start, and unfortunately got himself injured. But you know, Speroni's come in and done what he does every every time. He's had a, he's had a cracking game. Uh, he really has switched on the whole time. Obviously, that's a difficult thing to do, and that's where you really do appreciate having someone like Julian Speroni because you know I've seen I've seen before players who weren't expecting to play. Um, you know, it, it takes some a long, long time to get switched on enough to get into the sort of the game mode because he only found out five minutes before, you know, that he's actually in the starting lineup. So, uh, Nick, you got a comment from the chat room on, on that, what it was about.
3: Yeah, uh, that's wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Come and join us in there, like Davy has. And he has said, Hodgson said it was back spasms, like what Loftus Cheek had. So, like right you what you've added the
1: word what in there, haven't you? I know,
3: I, I can't help it, mate. Sorry. <laughs> So, uh,
1: Luce, obviously you know you had, a, you had the journey up there and I suppose the team did a, had a bit of a journey as well. you want to make reference to that?
4: Yes, yeah, so um, Hodgson announced um, in his press conference that um, they were under the impression it was going to take them just over an hour and a half and it ended up taking them over five hours. So there's been problems on the Euston to Manchester line yeah. Um, so obviously they stop in Birmingham and um, they were actually stopped for I think it was three hours, they were sat on the train with no electricity, they couldn't go to the toilet and they actually had to try and hop onto another train um, they, they had a train come up the side of them and they had to get on that and move over and um, and then when they got to their hotel which was um, I think they were due in at something like seven o'clock and they got in at half past nine there was an indian wedding going on at the hotel which (laughs) kept them all up so they must have been very very tired
1: i've been the best man at an indian wedding and it's fun i'll give you that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm not sure if you're wearing a rustly coat today lucy but i can hear some horrible rustling sounds from you
4: oh i'm ever so sorry
1: well, I mean, good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Just to sort of bring you back in on um, on, that, on the on the Hennessy thing. Obviously, we've debated it at length, really. But um, do, do you feel a little bit of sympathy for Wayne there?
0: Yeah, I would have started him this game. Um, I like what he did at Brighton. I thought he had a solid game. He didn't. Uh, he made some good saves, and you know, um, in corners, he was. One or two occasions he was a little bit dodgy, but other than that, he was he was all right. So, yeah, I was disappointed that Hennessy was injured and warm up. But, yeah, as you've as you said, Sproni came in and does a great job, so it's fantastic to have Sprony as a backup. But I don't know how long he's going to be able to keep that up.
1: No, no, absolutely not. You know, Hodgson's already spoken several times about the need to get another goalkeeper in. Uh, I can't remember his name now. He's a goalkeeper, but I think Newcastle. At the moment, I think we might be looking at. I'll see if my brain clicks back into gear when I, uh, throughout the course of the show, if I do remember, I'll come back to that. Um, But, so, uh, you know, obviously that was one, that was an enforced change, a late change. Um, But it wasn't the only change. Uh, Johan Cabai was taken off against Brighton. And, uh, yeah, so James McArthur comes in to replace him. So, again, we've got a little bit of strength in depth there obviously Macarthur had previously been playing playing on the left hand side um, of, of the four in midfield but he's he started in the center and he kind of i don't know i kind of hope that we, we'd start to see the, the 4-3-3 instead of a 4 but Hodgson choosing to stick with the, the trusted formation and i think a lot of people are getting frustrated about that and i will talk about that later on but need to say i think Macarthur had a pretty solid game but i suppose the the biggest shock for me was seeing Martin Kelly named in the defence because not only yet again is James Tompkins injured, and that's a real worry for me. We're talking about the fact that he's the, the best partner for for M- 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 Sacco, but he just seems to be injured every couple of games. It's just ridiculous. And uh, Scott Dan was already all set to come in and replace him and fell ill overnight as well. But, you know, again, DR Kelly comes in completely out of the blue, but pr- did a pretty good job as centre-back alongside Sacco.
0: Yeah, he did. Um, but Kelly hasn't really, whenever he plays centre-back, he hasn't really done that bad in the first place. Um, but no one really picks that up. I was quite surprised that Kelly came in. I thought Fosu Mensah would play and it's quite worrying what's happening in Fosu Mensah as well. Um, he seems to not get a chance under Roy. And whenever he has come in, I thought he's done a good job. He's a solid defender. and uh, Yeah, it was, it was good to see Kelly do well.
1: Really good point. I, I do not even considered fossey mensah as an as an option there. I don't know why. I think it's like you say, you haven't, you haven't really seen him under Roy. So, uh, but you know, he seems to be getting an opportunity of ball back uh, ahead of anything at centre back. Nick,
3: um, I'm no man. United are a bit fed up that he's not getting games, and um, the these teams that that want to loan out their players, expecting to get games. I'd rather that we we. Got a team going with our own players rather than relying too much on another team's players because they're going to be gone next season. Let's try. And, let's try and build the squad up. Yes, I can see what Loftus Cheek adds, but let's let's keep our own players in if they can do just as good job. I don't know. I've never. I've. I've. Ne- want to make a point on that as well? But I've never really sort of
1: subscribed to that because there's a couple. The couple of reasons why. The fir- The first is sometimes you can sign a player. They do really well, and you lose him after a year anyway, irrespective of the fact you whether you own him or not. Um, but also, if they do well and they settle in, like Sacco, you know he, he's now our player because uh, he wouldn't be that if we hadn't had given him that loan. So I'm all for giving people a, a chance on loan, but they they certainly have to earn their place, dear.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Chris. Um, I don't think well, what what happened. Here? <laughs> 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 I, yeah I don't think um, playing our own players just because their own players is, is going to do any good if a player is good enough and they're in the squad I think I'd rather play the player that's good enough so yeah and as you said Sacco he came in and we ended up buying him because of how good he was so it, we have to give players chances as well That when they're on loan like Fossil and possibly Loftus Cheek, because Chelsea don't give him um, Chelsea wouldn't give him many games uh, as they've done with many of many of the other players, so yeah. I don't agree with you in the fact that Lone players we shouldn't play them as much as our own players. Well, I
1: think, and you mentioned Loftus Cheek; he's already played more games for us than he's uh, than he's played in three years for Chelsea since making his debut. Uh, Luce, your views on that? probably have to unmute first.
4: Oh yeah, hello. hello. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, sorry, Nick. Oh, I'm with the others. I um, I completely um, agree that we should be playing our loneys if, if they're better than our own team. Because how do we know um, whether or not we want to progress with them in the future? Like Sacco, he was absolutely amazing for us. And like Chris said, now we own him. So someone like Loftus-Cheek, I would love for us to go and buy him in the summer. It, but i can't see it happening but
1: <laughs> well we we might have more of a chance because we've loaned him that's that's a thing and it's, it's like a try before you buy nick surely you like that right
3: yeah yeah i know what you mean but if we're trying to develop a team we want to get our own players to develop as that team without too much of temporary stuff i know a season's a long time but we're, we're almost halfway through it and don't get me wrong we've we've had some brilliant loanee players paul Paul Stewart was brilliant. I was gutted when we um didn't sign him. Yeah. But I'd rather. I don't know. I hate. I hate the whole loan thing anyway. So it serves them right. They shouldn't be buying up all the players and stopping <laughs> other teams from buying them. The, the players like Fosse Mensa and uh, Loftus Cheek should be able to play for teams, be owned by teams as they work their way up, not be bought at silly young ages just to be farmed out until they're good enough to play for Chelsea. Because it's, yeah. it's not fair on the player, and it's 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 not not making the league any good
1: we've talked before this there's a whole economy around loan players now you know chelsea make quite a lot of money out of it now now they manage to stockpile so i do agree with you on, on that sense but being selfish you know i like the fact we can loan out our young players to develop them and i like the fact we can bring in players who maybe wouldn't consider coming to palace permanently but will give us a chance on loan and then we can start to infect them with the palace bug and they'll uh, they'll stay with us maybe uh,
0: loose
4: um, if Man United are moaning that we're not playing him, then why don't they play him if they think he's that good? <laughs> this well, is true. there
1: you go. Um, yeah, fair point. Sorry, I became distracted. <laughs> became distracted by something there. Uh, anyway, look, let's let's move on from that. I do want to do a quick nod to Pardio. I've had my say during the on the preview podcast in the week that Albert and I put together at the at the last minute and. You know, I made it pretty clear what my feelings were on Alan Pardew. And, uh, well, let's let's go around the panel. Uh, Nick, I don't know how much you've heard of what he what he's said both before and after the game. Uh, um, you know, he's you haven't heard anything. Well, he, was, he had his usual humility, you know. He, the first thing he said was he felt because he got to an FA Cup final, he deserved more time at Palace and was very upset that he was sacked. You know, let's ignore the fact that he had the worst record in the league.
4: Yeah, uh, ignore yeah. the fact
1: that in... The nineteen games before and the seventeen games after, he won a total of six games. Is this like uh, the fact
3: when we played West Ham in the playoff final with them years ago? He kind of failed to acknowledge that he'd ever even been at Palace. That kind of pretty balance. much, pretty much. That kind yeah, of. He's a Extreme ring,
1: arrogance. It? He is a <laughs> cock. You're quite right. And he grew a goatee beard to demonstrate that fact as well. Apologies to any listeners with goatee beards, but don't have them. Uh, either a beard, <laughs> either a beard or no beard. Uh, is completely acceptable moustaches at a certain time of the year absolutely fine goatee beards stop it all right just stop it. it isn't 1994 and you need to just accept that fact and move on
3: um jay dog in the chat room uh said it's funny that roy has got the love from both sets of fans that would have pissed pards off royally absolutely he managed right. them as well reading <coughs> but him, what's what's this managerial merry-go-round are they frightened to take on a different manager than the same five going round and round and round to different clubs. It's <laughs> stupid.
1: It does seem a a bit like that, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, look, a uh, little bit from as on Padu. What do you reckon? Um,
0: whatever you know, I don't really care about Padu. I don't really care about Padu. Um, he did bring us the FA Cup final, but after that, you, it was just abysmal, and he deserved this sack. Like, he before even the board uh, did it so yeah he was lucky enough to have the draw for that long but yeah whatever go on and mess up West Brom after
1: wow. uh, <laughs> so before, just before you give you your full opinion on Pardew, uh I'm going to add into the fact that in the game at the uh, post match press conference he stated that he felt that West Brom bossed the game
4: <laughs> <laughs> he is a deluded prick I hate him, and I just oh, I hope that he takes West Brom down. I really do, because and I, and I and I actually feel sorry for West Brom, the fact that they've employed him, because we should have listened to Newcastle fans all those years ago when they were going through it. Because he's just a horrible. I'm sick of seeing his face on Sky Sports. So I'm glad he's got a job because he won't be reviewing games anymore. But oh, he's just. An awful awful man and all I remember of him is that stupid dance and that's unfortunately what he'll now be known at Palace for so he can he won't
3: he'll forever be known for sticking the ball in the scouts isn't
1: it well for the old people certainly uh you know and I I count myself in that but anyone who wasn't there for that you know they'll remember him as you know the manager that I don't know it just it just didn't deliver what he what he seems to think he delivered Uh, oh you know it's weird when 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 party went i didn't actually feel that much animosity i was fed up with results and i I kind of had some sympathy because he had you know some terrible injuries to key players at, at bad times but the fact that he cannot see how bad his record is you know for a year and, and, and we've talked about it loads before I talked about midweek that he thinks it's normal to do that and Albert brought up a brilliant point in midweek about some of the stuff he was saying when he was appointed as Westbrook manager when he was going on about you know the, the fact that he wanted to attack and sometimes that you know that left you open at the other end but that's football kind of thing so they don't want to hear that <laughs> we didn't want to hear that we didn't want to lose 5-4 to Swansea did we it's, uh, it's it's incredible stuff, really. Sorry, Lucy, you were in the middle of saying something
0: when I started going on. Um, Yeah, I can't remember what I was
4: going to say now. Hooray!
0: Dior! <laughs> I feel like he's going to struggle more at West Brom than he did at Palace, because at Palace we had more attacking players, in a way, like Wales and I feel like at West Brom, they're a bit too not attacking, it's a bit lame squad. and I feel like he's going to struggle more. It'll be interesting to see what he does. I've, I genuinely feel like West Brom are going to be in a relegation battle and he's not going to have this miracle run, which he always has with I, clubs.
1: See, I said to Albert in midweek that, that the lucky thing for him is that he's taken over a Tony Pulis team that's got an organised defence because he will pay zero attention to that defence, but the thing is it will take time to undo the work that Pulis did at the back So, and then and he will motivate the team as, a, as an attacking force, so he might do his usual of having a, a good period for up to a year or so before you know his deficiencies start to come forward and I will do think
3: that would be the end of, of West Bromwich that division if, if he stays around Nick well when he's completed the transition from being good to being shit that's
1: it that transition
3: yeah <laughs> um my mate Nick Grant's a baggy um he goes up there all the time and I noticed on Facebook he said that the the reception for Pardew was quite muted for a first game for a manager
1: yeah I'm not surprised he, you know he doesn't have the reputation that he believes he does. So, well, I, you know, look, I, I, I don't hate the man, but at the same time, you know, he, he did get us to an FA Cup final, and I do understand why he gets annoyed that that doesn't get the same attention as our previous FA Cup final appearance does. But you've got to understand why that is. It's, and that
3: that run as well, come on, I, I mean, I was in France when we beat Chelsea 2-1 at Stanford Bridge. I was on a train back from Lyon to Lille and I kept losing signal and just the, the whole joy that you brought everybody around that time when we went on that run, you know, that's got to be worth something, hasn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. We did, uh, yeah. There were good moments like they were under pretty much all of our managers apart from Frank de Boer. Um, And Trevor Francis. Trevor Francis. <laughs> he managed to, yeah, you know, let's not get into Trevor Francis, just show he's not long enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's get to the game so both halves I think it's fair to say oh Lucy you went just as I was moving on bad oh. timing but you could say something but hurry up
4: sorry oh, oh I was just gonna say yeah he um, he did do a lot of good things for us but I think his attitude he's so blase about how crap he was that that just takes away all the good stuff that he, he's done
1: yeah Uh, it it does yeah your 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 abiding memory of 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 alan pardew is is a one of delusion rather than one of Mm -hmm. you know this sort of the mixed bag that we got it actually feels much more negative than perhaps it should but then i suppose that's a, a symptom of him hanging on a little bit longer than he should have done despite what he thinks uh you know he's still convinced he'd have turned it around i just don't know when he thinks that would have happened just, really
3: quite disturbing. Just compare the press conferences between Roy and Alan, and uh, worlds apart, aren't they? I mean, Roy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I've not, I've not cringed at anything that Roy said so
1: far. But you know, Padre, it was just you start cringing, and it just gets worse and worse and worse until your jaw locks. And that's it. Yeah, <laughs> let's get let's get into the discussion. So, as I was saying. Uh, both halves, I felt were uh, we did take time to get into them, but we were a better side overall. That's my kind of summary. I think very early in the first half and, and quite early in the second half, you know, even approaching sort of fifty-five, maybe even an hour. We interesting. We were we were, the, we, were uh, we were we were under the cosh at times, but you know, not there wasn't anything really dramatic happening. It's not like I felt that we were going to concede any second. It's just we were just struggling to get our passing game going, and uh, I think. Probably the, the first incident in the game was uh, the, the slow start nearly being punished. There was a, a drive down the left-hand side, crossing to the centre, missed the um, attentions of Rondon on the defence at the near post and fell through to Robson Carnu, who sort of hooks a foot round it and, and hits it over the post. So there's a little bit of a warning sign there. But then... Um, Then we see Wilf get on the ball a little bit, and he gets uh, an effort that's actually tipped wide by Foster. First, I thought he just smashed it into the side netting, but uh, it does actually get a fingertip on it because the effort is on target. But not too much to really say about those.
3: But the first apart from the build-up to them, sorry, the build-up to them was fantastic. There was good interplay between all players for Wilf to get into that position. You can't overlook that.
1: We're actually getting
3: into scoring positions a lot more than we had been.
1: Well, I can. The re- well, the reason I kind of glossed over it is because I, I want to sort of come back to it because it, it, the, you're right, there was a good passage of play. It's a lot of one touch stuff, but it was the first time we really fired uh, in, in that because quite a lot of the you know, the period before that, we're just giving the ball away on the second or third pass. Mm. But uh, but you're right; it actually works well, and I, and I do like the way that that Wilf links up with Loftus Cheek when they get quite close up. Uh, I think Luca's doing a, a good job there. He's you know he's very good partial of the ball, and he's got very good awareness as well. And he and he does a good job in there. And you think without goodbye, we're actually still putting that sort of passer together. So yeah, you know, I appreciate what you're saying. It, it was you know it's there's, there's a lot to be uh, admired in, in getting Wilf into that position, and you know he probably takes a touch wide at a moment where maybe he could have got a first time strike away, but it was a good move. And, um, yeah, and I was certainly impressed with it, but you know, I'm really trying to rush to get to the major talking point. Um, the first major talking point of the half, which is back past to to foster. He tries to, uh, do a Sparoni, shall we say? Um, but manages to kick the ball into his own foot or into his own knee. It rolls forward. Wilf, Definitely, definitely stealing that ball away. And there's so there's a couple of things. So let's talk first of all about whether or not there's contact for a penalty. The hand comes out, swipes at the ball. It, Will's legs do get taken away from him? So, but but maybe he goes down easy. So first of all, let's answer the question of whether we think that that's a penalty or not.
0: DR. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't think so. I just uh, don't think so. It's just one of the moments where. Uh, it just happened here at the moment, and he got enough of the ball for for it not to be a penalty.
1: Okay, so we're we're saying uh, it. I, I can see that he definitely gets his hand onto the ball, uh, in the movement of pushing pushing Wolf over. Loose, would you have given a penalty for that?
4: Um, probably not when you see it, but obviously in retrospect, and if when it's all slowed down, it it should have been. Um, and I think this is when you you talk of video technology comes into play and things like that. But if I'd have been the ref in that moment, I probably wouldn't have given it.
1: Okay, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I can see that. And uh, but again, we're talking
3: about with retrospect, it should have been given as a, as a penalty. Nick, your view um just with the video thing well when does he stop play or or west Brom go up the other end of the pitch and score do we say hang on we've just got to look at this penalty thing your goal might be disallowed because we had to wait for the play to finish
1: well we talked um...
3: about we talked about that the other week didn't we where it is actually being used um Sort of, you know,
1: in, in games across the globe at the moment, and it is pretty quick. It does add a delay to it, but it's usually someone's at the side of the pitch. Ref trots over, says, "Can I have a quick look at that game?" Only for major incidents, but that aside, but you know, the you've incident, seen, you've, but you've seen the, you've seen the incident. If, Would anything, you give it
3: if anything, it is obstruction because he's walking crab-like over the top of the ball. There is no way that Wilking Wilf can get to it. So it's indirect free kick in the box, and we have well, one of those mad, mad things. No. no, I'm going to correct you there. It isn't because I, I, this is right. Okay,
1: go on, then. It's, Chris, it's Chris's time to, to shine. Okay, that's the back pass. Okay, that is a back pass. He can't handle that. He's not allowed to touch it. So you're right, when you say direct free kick, it's that, it's handball in the area for an direct free kick. He's got nothing to do with it being an, instru- an obstruction. It's to do with the fact that you don't pick up a back pass. So because he's messed up, and he's fallen over. But what I would say is, if you look at what, uh, what both Dr. and Lucy put out to a point where where the actual movement of grabbing the ball with his hand has also knocked Wilf over, that that's why I would say penalty. That to me, that's the foul. Fa- he, he should he, he should not be taking that action. because no, the ball bubbled against
3: Wilf's knee before he touched it, so you could actually say it wasn't a back pass because he had touched a Palace player last.
1: No, it's, no, it's not. He, he is in control of that ball. Right, that is no way you can get away with that as, as to ignore a back pass. That's ridiculous. It's you no know, bottom, bottom line, it's, it's horrendous. Either way, the, the referee is just it's just got to sort that out because what, what you know, the rule changed years ago, Nick. Even you've know that you can't pick a back pass up, right? Look, yeah,
4: have you seen the still of um, his hands grabbing his foot?
1: And that not the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the whole point, you know, I get uh, Matt miller has been in touch, and I know he's, he's, he's a ref and he knows. He says it's a pass back where he touched his hand, so indirect free kick. Uh, that's off of Facebook. Thanks for that, Matt. Cheers, dear uh, that, that, you know, in, in essence, that's right. But for me, it's 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 more than that because cause the action he's taken has also failed Wolf, as, as Lucy's pointed out. It's just oh, it's just so frustrating. Because to get nothing, that's the biggest frustration. I would have been annoyed to get an indirect free kick and not a penalty. But, but I could understand that. I just can't understand the complete
3: failure to actually do anything.
1: There's a comment from Booted there, Nick.
3: Yeah, in the chat room, wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Um, with all the arms and legs in there, the ref can't make a proper judgment. And that's a fair enough point. The the ref's got to go with the defending team if it's six of one and a half, a dozen of the other. But um, I genuinely think by Will's eyes, whether that was it, whether it was a penalty or not, uh, Defoe Penn pen, putting an unjustified reputation ahead of the foul. I actually saw um, Wardy's reaction as well. And Wardy's reaction was, come on, ref, that's definitely a penalty. So, you know, you can normally tell by other players' reactions as well, can't you?
1: Yeah, it was just weak again. I hate weak refereeing. I'd, I'd rather them really confidently be wrong than a, a just bottle a decision for the sake of it. It's so frustrating. And again, I'm not saying at the time our play deserved us to be ahead, but these things just—I don't know. It's so important. We talked about it when we talked about you know technology the other week. It's just. It's vital. You know, it's it's good. We've got you know we're in touch with the teams around us now. We pushed ourselves up to 18th for a bit, but that's that's two points there dropped again. You know, it goes back to the two points dropped against Everton, and uh, yeah, Lou, you've said Michael Oliver's usually quite good. I mean, I've got mixed feelings about Oliver, but you're right; he's a, he's a better ref than most. But mm. again, he's bottling it, and you can't say it's a reputation. we are playing West Brom. That was a dig at West Brom. I just had to leave that <laughs> silence afterwards just to see if anyone was going to acknowledge it. But no, all right, fair enough. <laughs> right, so obviously, you missed out on that. And uh, oh, my notes are bad. I've, the word shot has changed to a swear word. So let's tiptoe around that. Uh, so, quite soon after that, Zaha's nicked the ball and uh, in the midfield, turned around, just driven a goal and then taken a, a shot. That's deflected over, but Townsend was absolutely free. Talk a little bit about the performance of Andros Townsend yesterday as a whole because I felt he's the last few games he's struggled a little bit. Um again he's being picked on the right, he's been he's been drifting over to the to the left quite a lot. Uh which we know he prefers the right hand side. So should we be accommodating that, Nick? I mean, Perhaps you know. It's not he's not up to his usual standards and is it is it a purely positional thing or is
3: it more than that? It might well be because we mentioned the, the tippy tappy stuff earlier. Um and he was involved in quite a lot of that. So although he's having bad bits in the game and I think he's trying to trying to shoot too often when he should be passing, it's kind of the reverse of what Will should have done there. Um and according to the chat room, he's only got one assist, Townsend. He should be getting more than that, shouldn't he? absolutely right you know no goals
1: one assist it's it's been a real struggle for him to make any real impact on the game what do you make of of
0: Townsend so far this season but particularly the last few games dear yeah I don't think I don't know sometimes when he plays at home I feel like he plays better at home than he does away but I still feel like he hasn't done enough however what can we do who can we play instead of him you're going to play Sacco you're going to get it's someone who's going to be worse. So it's just one of them things. If we had depth, maybe it would have been better, as he would have got a challenge. But he, he's not producing enough, in my opinion. And I don't know whether that's the assist or whether that's um, playing on left wing or right wing. I don't, I'm not too sure. But he has to do better.
3: Nick, I don't think he's lacking the energy or or the the wanting to do well. Though I just think it's no. he's just having a uh, yeah. He's, he's not being half asked, is he? We can't say it's being lazy or anything like that. It's just it's it's hit a, a bad spot of form. Well,
1: well, is is that how you see it as well, Luke? A bad spot of form rather than the the Townsend we saw when he first signed. Of it was, you know, we we're looking at him, him to come in and replace Yannick Bolasie, which is you know a difficult ask because Yannick was a massive, massive player for us, and it took a while for him to warm up, didn't it? But then we saw this this player who was running all all game, chasing everything down, getting back defending, but all of a sudden he's had this move to, to an up-front position alongside Zaha, where he's had a couple of great games doing that, but now we're sort of moving him about again. Sometimes he's on the right, sometimes he's on the left, sometimes he's up front. You know, has that is that what's affected him, or has he just lost a bit of form?
4: I think he's just a bit lacklustre. Um, I think maybe he should be playing in the position that he prefers, because it's the opposite to Wilf, isn't it? So, But then Wilf's been playing sort of, behind Benteke where uh, that's a whole different subject and I think that he should be they should be both on the wings but I think with Townsend maybe perhaps drop him for a couple of games get him on the bench and sort of get his fight back a bit you know so if he's he's walking into the team basically and I think perhaps give somebody else the opportunity and then basically fight for his place because he's it's sort of like you say he's a bit half-arsed at the minute
1: it's it's a good point you raise about having you know again I think Nick's right when he says it's not like a deliberate lack of effort mm. but but when you bring up the fact that you know you, you know he he needs to be fighting for his place you, you get back on what Di was saying you, you're gonna, what you're going to do bring in bringing Sacco is that really is he really pushing him because you know Sacco's not impressed anyone for a, a long period of time so it's it's a very difficult one and it does show you the weakness in our squad where some you know when the players do drop form and that happens you know it happens to every player uh there's not really anyone there pushing him for his place so we're just persevering with it and it will obviously bring us back to the discussion of Zaha Loftus-Cheek and um you know and of course Townsend comes as part of that
0: but DR first yeah um you just literally <laughs> i was gonna say what you was gonna say chris dropping for him um have we've, we've got vital games coming up and yes he's not performing but if he put someone else in there like sacco it's gonna be worse off so yeah i don't think it's right to drop him but he should be dropped but we can't no,
3: exactly. no way Nick. yeah why 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 not i mean if the other players are doing quite well now that they know that they've got, especially in defence, we've got so many defenders now, they're all stepping their game up because they want to stay in the team. Um, Luca, we, we were without so we had Luca and MacArthur. Um, we didn't miss Kabayas that much. So in all those positions, except for Townsend's position, I suppose he's the only one. But you, he, he needs to have that, fra- even if you just stick punch out there for yeah. half a game. Just wait, to say, wait, look, wait. This, this is this is what happens if you don't cut the mustard, sunshine. If you want to play in a Premier League team, you've got to cut cut the mustard and be more and more consistent. Now I'm dropping you, so you get more consistent. Uh, good deal. I jump it straight back in on that. No, it's it, it's all right, but
0: come on, Nick, T- punching.
3: Well, I was just that's what I'm saying we 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 are missing in that department, but you know, Roy's clever. He can read the team a bit. So we're we're not playing with wide players for game. I don't know, but we can't not not drop him. He can't yeah, it, feel like his position's um, first on the team sheet. Because that's when The Rock does set in. That's when you, you do get players who are half-assed. Yeah, but, but there's
0: nothing else in it. Like I understand you want punching him, but bringing punching in is not going to make it any. And
1: there it is. better is it well who knows he might be absolutely champion at the bit now he's not been in the team for a while <laughs> no, can't 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 see the, punch, the punching of old that's you know that's what it's that's what it's all about really competition for places um, you know but players players do get back to form I know Lucy's brought up a good example of that but we'll come in our little chat we'll come back to that later on uh, so there we go on that so that was an option there to play Townsend at the time which was got us into the Townsend subject and I think It's a shame that that Zaha took the shot on, but I can see why. I like to see people playing with a bit of confidence. Uh, There was also another clear penalty uh, ignored. However, at full pace, first time you see it, very, very difficult to actually see where the contact was. So uh, Zaha gets in down the left. Again, backs his pace and strength to get past Agassi, runs around the side of him, comes across the front of him. And as he does, you think, why has Wilf gone down there? You know, there's no need to go down. You're not going to get a penalty for that. It's just a little bit of upper body contact. You're not going to get anything for that, Wilf. Come on, stay on your feet. And then you see it back. And Hagazi volleys Wilf's right leg. Just absolutely. That's why Wilf's feet sort of splay out from him. Because he gets an, a massive kick from Higazi. But at full pace, you do not see it. But that is an absolute stonewall penalty. So two Well, one penalty and one at at worst indirect free kick right in the penalty area. So we have been done by refereeing again, lads and lasses. Very disappointing. But again, at the time, you know, when you're watching the game, did any of you see it loose from the stands? Was that clear? It was a penalty.
3: There you go. Straight, straight straightforward. It was a penalty. Nick, what about you? Yeah, the, the refs missed another one there, I think. There we go. It's comprehensive. Did it at the time?
0: Um, no, I don't think it was a penalty. <laughs> um, the way the referee was positioned, and I think uh, if, if the liner, if, if it was on the other side, then the liner could have helped him. But um, it, was, it was not on that side. And I think it was a bit hard for the ref to see it happen as it happened. We We're looking at the replays and looking at slow motion, etc., and then we can see it. But at the moment, I think it was very hard, and I think it's the right call. Cool. Okay, well,
1: we're going to uh, – there you go. It was fairly, fairly comprehensive. DR with the only the only viewers saying it should – well, no, actually, I do agree with DR. I think from the referee's position, the fact – very good point that the liners on the other side, you can't really give that – if you haven't seen it, but it's just a shame because when you see it back, it is absolutely blatant. But uh, Dio, you've got a, a comment in there from Facebook, which is, uh, well, I'll let you ask it.
0: Yeah. It's from uh, summer person. It's saying, uh, he's asking, what do we do about Benteke?
1: Right. Well, okay. I mean, it's, a, it's obviously, it's a leading question because it's like, it's, it's indicating that there's a problem with Benteke. So, and a lot of people feel that, not just, uh, not just Summer Kirsten, a lot of people feel that there's a problem with Benteke. Um, I'm going to just draw attention, at the point of, of the game that we're reviewing, you know, we're, we're just coming to a point where I'm going to talk about Benteke. So what he does is he receives the ball with back-to-goal. Now, this is after some very good hold-up play when he's got the ball, but he's not seeing a lot of it. You know, and he's again we talked about it loads and loads of times. He's not gonna move around that much. Not that kind of a player. But when he has seen the ball, it's got to his head, he's won an awful lot of headers for flick-ons. Again, you could argue that he hasn't got the right people around him to read those flick-ons, or you could argue that he's not flicking it onto the right places. Depends on what your view is, but it's not quite getting us anything. But at the same time, he's, he's shown a lot of willingness. He's shown a lot of strength and power. And he's won fouls here and there. Gets a lot of fouls given against him. But generally speaking, hold-up play is really starting to come back uh, after his injury. Uh, it was pretty poor before that. So I'm seeing some good signs from Menteke. But what we also saw was Menteke receive the ball with his back-to-goal turn, nutmeg Johnny Evans, and then be very, very unlucky that Foster's alert enough to come out and save it. An absolutely fantastic chance created all from him. And that, that's the skill. That's the ability that Benteke has that we haven't seen so far this season. That's why he scored 17 goals last year. He is a very, very good striker and he comes alive with inside the penalty area. That's what we want to see. But we only saw it once against West Brom. But for me, that's a really, really encouraging sign. Now, Luce, you want to answer that question as well. What do we do with Benteke? I think you can kind of see what I think.
4: I think we need to uh, keep going with him. Obviously, we don't have any other striking options. So there's, we, we can't drop him because we've seen what the team is like without somebody up the front. But I think, he, I think, like you say, I think he's getting there. I mean, he was out injured for so long that he's he's picking up his pace again. I don't really think he should have played the full 90. We should have, you know, shifted the dynamic for maybe the last 10, 15 minutes. But they only then, had six
3: subs. Five subs. Who are you going to put on? It's true we
1: did only have five subs, but what you've done there again, Nick, is interrupt someone in the middle of a sentence. Sorry,
4: sorry, Dave. Um. So I think we should have faith that Benteke will get there. You, like you said, Chris, you can see glimpses of him coming through and being the Benteke that we we do love. He's just not capitalising on the chances that he's got, and I just I think I personally. And
1: this is just my opinion. I think he's just a bit unlucky. He has, he has been unlucky, for sure. He he desperately needs a goal because that's the thing with him. He really, he changes. The second he starts scoring goals, he absolutely mm-hmm. changes. But what we've seen so far, and again, it's worth pointing out, I've, I've described the chance he created for himself and is unlucky not to score. But you could go to about two minutes later in the game because uh, there's a corner from that chance which just evades him and is deflected as he comes towards it second corner goes straight on his head completely free header heads it straight at the goalkeeper now there's nothing you can say about that other than he's missed that chance now it's you know it's still it's still a skill you know it's still you know uh, you have to be good to time your jump to get the power to get the direction to get the timing absolutely perfect but when is on full form he does not miss that. He doesn't miss a free header. So we, we can see he's not quite there. But the, the point you make Lucy is a good one. Is Who else is there? But the other point is people have got to understand how long it takes to get match fitness. And you talk about not him not playing the 90 minutes. For me, he's got to play the 90 minutes. He's got to be pushed to give everything for you know for the entirety of the time he's on the pitch until he is match fit because he's still way off it you can see it he wasn't right before the injury i think he'd probably been carrying that a while and i think the challenge that actually did it you know if anything probably did him a favor it's got him a chance to have a rest get that injury sorted out come back but he's got to play himself into form and it's i i I reckon i'll put you know if if he stays fit and when we play him in the next three games I would say you'll start to see the, the Benteke that you want to see in about three three or four games' time. But until then, you've got to accept that, you know, and if, if you see it as a problem, if you think, I've, I've you know seen stuff on the BBS and on Twitter with people saying he's our worst signing ever and all this kind of crap. I can't get that. I, you know, I can get behind you being disappointed with him. I can. But I can't get behind anyone who thinks he's rubbish. It just does my head in. And I got accused of smugness last time I said this, because I was a bit i was a bit more forthright with my opinion last time. Uh, so that, that's my view. I think he's a fabulous player, a brilliant striker. hes all, You don't score 17 goals last season in, in a struggling team the way he did if you're a bad player. But unfortunately, this season, he's not got firing. He's then got injured. And now we're at this period of time where, although we're seeing glimpses for some people, that's not enough. But he's got to play through that. Uh, and I have every confidence that he will. So, Dio, your views? And I think you got some Facebook stuff too.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I think when everyone is fit in a squad, I think it'll be best for Benteke and the rest of the players so who play a 4 yesterday we had a four-four-two approach and we were at times going a little bit too central and yes Benteke I'm not saying it's all about the headers for Benteke because we saw that yesterday he could run through and he could actually challenge the goalkeeper and run through defenders but I think his main strength is his aer- aerial ability so i will rather have Townsend and Wilf out wide. And if we put the crosses in, I think he'll be much better. And also, as you've said, he's lacking match fitness. But I'm impressed what he's what he has done so far since he has come in with, uh, with his... Uh, I feel like he's more up for the challenge than before he was a little bit laid back and received lots of uh, criticism from everyone for yeah. it. So, yeah, I think um, when he does get a match fitness and if we do play him to his best ability, I can honestly see him scoring start scoring goals uh, in the next three, three games I could see him scoring against West um, Bournemouth um, <laughs> I'm calling for right now I could see him scoring against Bournemouth
1: yeah I think there's definitely a goal coming and I really hope it's sooner rather than later what they said on Facebook then
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Chris White uh, said, "I think at the moment we look uh, disjointed and not creating chances for Benteke." Uh, Matt Miller said, N- "Not happy, but his confidence. I think it will improve." And Andy King has said, "We need to provide him with. Uh, we need to provide him more to get onto his quality, suffering with injury and confidence."
1: yeah I mean all very good points in there because a lot of it is about the service and it does go back I mean DRU brought it up it's the can of worms we bring it up every single week Uh, I'm going to be talking about it again pretty soon but it's so many people now saying it we we look we look the reason we look disjointed is all being put on this one thing and it's we're looking at Loftus-Cheek playing out wide thinking he doesn't look right there we're looking at Zaha playing center off a striker thinking he doesn't work there and then your mind immediately goes well when we and we just swap those two because they're, they're both playing in the positions that they want to be in. And it just feels absolutely ridiculous. And I talked midweek about it. And I, I said, I can see why Roy's doing it because he's relying on the, the sort of size and engine that Loftus-Cheek got on him from playing in midfield to to protect the ward. You know, and you can look at Ward's performances and say that that's actually working. Um, but we'll, we'll come back to that because I know we've got some views from the chat room, Nick.
3: Yes, so on Ben Teckers, uh, Teckers is a camel at the moment. I hope he can turn into a fox. I um, hope he's always the killer. Um, he's poor shooting with his feet. Sid not said Ben Tecky is a form player and will definitely come good, uh, and he needs to get the F on with it. Hope doesn't cut it anymore. Um, myself with Ben Tecky, I've, I've been critical of him over the past, but on yesterday's game i can see the light at the end of the tunnel with him i mean that that little shimmy through the defense was was sublime so we are not he's not far off being the the finished product again um plus we've got a transfer window coming up in january we got what three weeks for him to turn it round. if not we just try and get him for somebody else and offload yeah. him
1: connor might be back soon as well so you know he's, he was due due back next month we'll see what happens with that um
3: uh, so there Interesting. there we go. Uh, It's been out for a long, long time, Conor Wickham. Yeah, yeah. So it can
1: take him a while to get a bit match fit. You can imagine if people treat him the same as Ben We're talking about him not scoring after two games when he's back. But there we go. Well, no. it's, it is what it is. It's you know, when when you're relying on someone like Ben you paid the money you have. He's always going to get judged. You know, well, you can't even call it harshly. You can say it's fair to judge him. With you know, to a for, to a tough level, because you know. He is a massive, massive player for us, and if he's not scoring goals, what is he doing? That's the thing, and that's that is the problem with. say that's a problem. That it's, that's the the fact of having a player like that whose main advantage is hold up play, which you're never going to get a lot of credit for, and scoring goals. If he's not doing that,
3: he's going to get a stick. Well, it, and sometimes it doesn't work. From look at Lukaku at Man United, he's hard. What has he got two this season? It's nothing know, is it I thought
0: he's got much more than that I thought
3: oh I don't know but yeah he's got more than that
0: but has he but he looked out of place yesterday yeah, yeah. yeah it's just whenever money nowadays because the money of footballers like Ben Teke 25 mil you're saying that's very high I think it adds the pressure as well people just it's like Pogba for Man United people straight away get onto him saying oh he hasn't got this he hasn't got this but he offers more than just goals and assists so yeah um, we'll see what happens with Ben Teke anyways yeah um, I mean not, not an awful
1: lot happened in the second half after other than two fantastic saves from Spironi one from Rodriguez one on one which was just brilliant and a similar one from uh, Hal Robson cano shortly afterwards uh, so uh, you know again it, it was it was pretty boring Lucy you, you were up there did you manage to stay awake?
4: Um, just about yeah it was <laughs> nothing really happened um, it was a bit boring. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: yeah, no, you're right. We got, you know, Pardew shifted their tactics a little bit to completely negate us. Got completely obsessed with stopping uh, Zaha and Loftus-Cheek getting on the ball, as he as he said, after the game. And it's just, they really did negate everything. You know, they had a couple of chances. We really just didn't create... Uh, and yet again, no goals away from home. Making a big deal out of it in the media. Does that something that actually bothers you at all? Um, Adil, I you're, you're suppose that that connects with what you're just about to ask, ask in regards to the tactics of the away games.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think you said as well yesterday on the chat, um, how it seems like in away games, we're more defensive focused. Uh We're looking for the clean sheet more than attacking. And I saw that yesterday as well. I felt like whenever we was attacking, um, not many like Gluca or Maca. I don't think they were pushing up as they could have, and I think they're more standing in a defensive position rather than push all the way up. And yeah. I'm not, t- I'm not too sure. I think once um, these tactics can cause um, a gold drought, and I think as a result of that, there's a gold drought. I'm not too sure <laughs> if it's the best approach.
1: It's <laughs> a good way. It's, it's yeah these things could cause a gold trap. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a gold trap. But, but, you know, <laughs> but you, you are making a good point in there. That, and it's, it's something I have brought up a bit. Roy, Roy Hodgson, look at the results and performances he's getting. You know, we are, all of a sudden, it's, it's kind of wins and draws at home and scraping a point away. And that's the kind of, old, the old traditional way it used to be. Now we're used to, in the Premier League, certainly, having. I mean, Poor home form and great away form. So we've had that little switch. But you know Hodgson's an old school manager and he's getting old school results at the moment. And he certainly isn't anywhere near as adventurous away from home as he is playing at home. You know, don't get me wrong. We're creating chances to win games. You know, we should have had two penalties. Um, you know, we've had the Benteke charts and the Zaha two chances. They, you know, those were good opportunities to score goals. Don't. And, and you could probably chuck a couple of more in there. But but you're right. From from the midfield, there's it's not a hell of a lot going on in terms of getting forward it's all about keeping that shape restricting the opposition and respecting the point as everyone likes to say and we did we got we got a point once more does it bother you nick the 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 lack of away goals is it something that's in your mind or do you just not pay <sighs> too, too much attention
3: it's it's one of those things that's going to come eventually it's we're look we're off the bottom of the table we got a point we did we've had two clean sheets Start with your defence. You'll, you'll be just moaning about Pardew going forward and losing 5-4 to Swansea. Well, we've, we've got a manager who's, who's starting from the back. The, the, the team are getting a little bit better with, with knowing where each other is on the pitch. Some of the passes are, st- are still a bit loose, but it, it, I can see us moving forward and respect the point, indeed, because if we didn't respect the point and went gung-ho... And lost after you know West Brom on the, bay- on the break. Then we'd be bottom. Luce, you want to talk about you know the result in general?
4: I think it's a good result. Um, we need to be keeping the clean sheets because for so long we didn't have any, um, and I think that's really important. And like you alluded to earlier, we had one with Wayne as well, so I think that gives him a confidence. Um, with getting the clean sheet at Brighton. Then, obviously, Jules comes in. We've got another clean sheet. And, to be honest, I don't really mind if we're a bit more defensive away as long as we go all out, attack, attack at at home and get the points because surely it doesn't matter where the points come from as long as we get them and we stay up.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely right. But then, of course, if we we go down because we don't get a yeah, you know, two points when we should have taken them. So we should have beaten Brighton, should have beaten West Brom in the last two games. So I can't help but feel that. But, but you are, down. you yeah, you are of course right though, Luce. That uh, that you that it is it is a well, <laughs> it is a good result. <laughs> going the comment on that part, but it is a good result at the end of the day. Uh, you know, you, they they had a new manager. It's all set up for the fact that he knows our club, it's all set up for the win there. You know, you can see it on Pardew's face as well. He, he knew he knew that not only were we the better side, despite what he said. Uh, it's a missed opportunity for him to be able to go. Well, you know, I always win my first game as manager. Blah 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 blah. Aren't I great? Look at me, look at me, uh, and all that kind of rubbish. So, yeah, yeah. But point was all right. Point was okay. Let's talk a couple bit, bits about performances before we go. Joel Ward, uh, oh. much maligned, much maligned on this show, mainly by me. Uh, and before uh, you know. Nick's made a slightly orgasmic noise there. I'm not going to make that noise myself, but I am going to say defensively what a performance that was. You know, that's the Joel Ward of old. He's shown a lot of that in, in recent weeks. He's shown um, a great deal of fight. He's coming back into decent form. And and this this was another step up the ladder. How many blocks he got? I think I don't know. One of you had the statistics. I'm not too sure if we've got them now, but uh, I think Mikey stuck him on the chat yesterday. I think it was something like eight blocks in the game. But threw himself at everything. Brilliant defensively. Didn't let anywhere near the number of crosses that usually lets past him in. Really great performance. Good to see. Little bit frustrated in the first sort of 10 15 minutes with his distribution again because a lot of it was just smacking it long into the channels, went out for goal kicks quite a lot. And I thought, here we go again, I'll be moaning about Joel Ward on on the show once more. But after that, you know, that was a distant memory by the end. What a performance! Easily my man of the match. Who else wants to give a bit of props to Joel Ward, Nick?
3: I will. I'll say um, he's keeping Fosu Mensah out of that position. He knows he's got Fosu Mensah there. He knows he's got to pick it up because there hasn't been anybody there before. He, he was just immense yesterday. He, a, a couple of times a player got past him, but he actually looked a bit of a threat when he was going forward and gave, that up, gave another option. But if we're, if we're talking man of the match, I'm, I'm just going to give some, uh, some uh, props to... Uh, What's-his-face on the other side, who I thought played really well, Schlupp. And his I'd, best I'd game for ages, but Ward, yeah. We'll talk Jeff
1: in just a moment. Um, but those stats were 80% passing accuracy, which is great for Ward. 67% tackling, considering the amount of action that went down that side. Very, very good indeed. Two interceptions, seven clearances, eight blocks. Great stuff. DR.
0: Hello. yeah no.
1: um, <laughs> Just, you don't have to say hello every time
0: <laughs> no no because Lucy said alright um, yeah <laughs> got me out alright yeah well Joel Ward um, I have to say hats off to him yesterday he was absolutely brilliant Um uh, he the, <laughs> the
1: see, see stuff going on in your house behind. Yeah, yeah. we'll take a little break and find out
0: what's happening in your house. <laughs> no, that's all right. Let's all go, Joe right. Wood. Right, yeah, Joe Wood. He had. He was. You know. He's been under pressure by many of us. I've been. I've criticised him. You've criticised him. And I think Roy Hodgson changed him, just like Sammy Lee and um, um Sam Allardyce changed um, Andrew Townsend. I feel um, Martin Kelly, Jeffrey Schlupp. Um, Joel Ward, they've all been criticised before but now you can see how solid they are, especially Slup and Wardy, they're going in for tackles um, so yeah, you have to give credit to Roy I think as well, I think he helped Ward and Slup
4: I mean, the defence on their own just sort of were the men of the match I guess Um, actually during the game I said my man of the match was um, Loftus-Cheek and then coming away from it and looking at the uh, highlights and reading all the write-ups, it, absolutely Joel Ward. I mean, he was he was amazing throughout the game. Um, just the defence were incredible. And it's really great to see because for so long, that was such a mishmash of finding the right partnerships. But I think we discussed this last week about um, Dan and Delaney were a, a great partnership. You had um, Sacco and um, Tompkins and a good partnership, but... Obviously, there's a good partnership there with Sacco and Kelly as well. So it's refreshing to see that we have got that mix and we're actually getting it right this time.
3: Definitely, Nick. Um, just another point that Dave made in the chat room about the the rugby tackle that Ward made that when he took one for the team. That was yeah. that was uh, a crucial point. Cynical as anything, but well done. Yeah,
1: absolutely right. That was a, it was a fantastic performance from Ward, from Ward and long may that continue. Again, pressure on his place. And that takes us over to the other side for Jeffrey Schlip. Um I honestly thought he, he struck. there were there were moments where he, he lost position a bit when we were under pressure, because uh, that's that's been the criticism of him from, from, from most people, that positionally he does get a little bit lost. So uh, I'm going to start on a couple of negatives as well. And the other thing is I do really think he should make more of the opportunities he gets going forward. I think he's adjusted brilliantly from bringing, being a winger slash forward to being a, a, a defender. But you would just love to see him use that pace just a little bit better. Really take people on down that line, and get some decent balls into the box with that left foot. That's what I want to see from him. Uh, but the improvement in his defensive play has been superb. The number of slide challenges he made that were absolutely timed to perfection was spot on. His positioning was better. If he was even if he was caught out when the when Sacco came out of defence and he was caught trying to drift in and cover that and leaving people a little bit exposed out wide but other than that it was a much much better performance and he's now our standout left back for me deal
0: yeah you did say you just mentioned Slupp you want you want him to go forward more but I think that's the reason why he has improved and I think Wardy has improved as well I think Roy has uh, made him more defensive uh, instead of going forward which we've, we've previously seen and that that leads uh, spaces in the back and staying back has helped both of them. I think Slop has improved massively by staying back. So I'm not too sure if he should change his game. I think tactically, I think it's all right. And they're suiting it very well.
1: I, I know the point you're making. And I suppose that's where we've got some work to do tactically because the, the better teams in this league will have their fullbacks on the overlap. Um, and we've really got to aspire to being able to do that. Both are capable. Ward is capable. Schlupp is capable of doing that and getting up and down that wing all game. But you're right when you talk about the gaps that that leaves. And that's where the rest of the team, particularly in the midfield, have to cover. It's about one of Luca or kabai or MacArthur stepping back into the fullback position. Uh, it's about the team adjusting as we do in game management, all that sort of stuff. But that'll come, I think that will come. That's the next step for them. But you're right, and that Roy has given them the defensive job, particularly away from home. It's about primarily remember what you are you're a defender, do your defending. If you get the opportunity to do anything else, great, do contribute to other phases of play. But, you know, have your mind on your defensive responsibilities the whole time. And you're right. That's probably what it is. That's probably why we're seeing that level of improvement. But let's face it. We needed to see that level of improvement. We needed to see the coaching, uh, focusing on those areas. And that's, you know, that's the real positive out of this run. We've seen the problem areas started to get solved. Now it's just all about squad depth and what we do in January from here on. Um, but I do think we've got our next couple of games, next two, three games. We've really got to get some points on the board. And that means two wins for me. Um, otherwise, What we do in January, you've got to question how much of a chance we take. You really do. Uh, But certainly, things very much looking like they're on the up right now. Okay, now is the opportunity for me to mention one last thing that we've kind of covered already. And then it will be up to you if you want to bring anything else to the table. So chuck it in the chat for me if you've got anything else to add. But I will talk very quickly about the same old subject we keep bringing up Loftus Cheek and Wilfred Zaha, the 433 um as i mentioned earlier it's got to be it's 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 the one thing that we're all crying out for and i i have to say i am really struggling with it i don't i do not understand why because there were moments in the game where we did it and i don't know if we're trying to introduce it as a you know as as something that we'll do in certain phases of a match where Every, you know, you saw it every now and then, Wilf did drift left and he got himself on the board. You looked up, you thought, well, Benteke's in there, Townsend's out on the right and look, Loftus-Cheek's come inside and he's, he's in behind looking to run onto a board. You think that's, that's an incredible attacking four, all in their right positions all, positions, all ready to go. But then five minutes later, they're all back to where they were before. Or the best you seem to get is, is Townsend going out right and Loftus-Cheek going out left. And you think it just seemed a waste for me. So, Actually, I'll, I'll just get your, a view from you all on this. So, uh, for me, Zaha, the fact that Zaha's been scoring goals is the reason that he's been left up alongside Ben Seke. But you've got to get him on the ball. Nick, is it a source of frustration for you? Because it really
3: gets to me. See, I thought it was it was getting on the ball quite a bit. And the last couple of games, I've enjoyed the, the fluidity between the front three and the fact they seem to occupy different different positions at different times um yes it would be ideal if if Zaha was was out on the right in his preferred position but I don't know it's it's beyond me I'm not the manager but yeah I can can understand your frustration loose
4: um I absolutely agree they should be switched um and I think you can see the frustration in Wilf as well he actually walked off in a massive strop at West Brom um sort of clapped the fans and then just didn't want to speak to anybody, took his shirt off and was walking off. Um, I think that he, like we've said this previously, that he has calmed down his um, aggression on the pitch and is is almost petulant. I think he's matured quite a lot, but you can see the frustration when he's playing, when it's it's not going how he wants it to go. He's not getting that end product. So I think to switch them... You'd see that confidence build, and you know, he'll he he, may, he he'll probably score goals from the wing. Um, but if he's got that link up with Loftus Cheek and then um, Townsend or whoever on the other side, and then Benteke up front, I think you would see a lot more fluidity from all of them. I really
1: do. I mean, you know, Wilf's face throughout half the game matched mine, it was just, just couldn't believe it. I just, every. every You know, you've got a ball being knocked up long to Benteke. You've got Wilf trying to guess where that ball is going to end up. It's not his game. His game is receiving the ball on the halfway line and terrifying defence. You know, I go back to the game we haven't really reviewed against Brighton where he was up against Bruno, who's about 48 years old. And I just wanted to see Wilf on that side running at him. Because I don't think he'd have coped. I do not think he'd have coped. And that, for me, those are the opportunities we've got to start taking. Now, there's got to be a reason for it. You've got Roy Hodgson, seventy years old, huge amount of knowledge and experience in the game. He's not making that decision. Ray Lewington, you know, huge amount of experience in the game, Palace man through and through. Just he's not he's not saying it either. You know, you've got Stephen Reed who's got no connection to anything. So you know, he's going to say it how it is, but he doesn't see it. You know, what what is happening that that fans are just. All I can just see it. I could see it on Twitter. I can see it throughout the course of the game, throughout the course of the week. Everyone who talks about it, it just—it just seems so illogical to have a winger playing playing central and to have a central player playing wing and not to swap them over and not to not to try that four-three-three that that needs the spearhead that Benteke is. You know, Benteke is not a, really a four-four-two player. You never got the best out of him in a four-four-two. Um, but having said that the results are better than they were when we played 4-3-3. So maybe that's the sole reason. Uh, all I can really say about it is it's doing my head in. And um, it's pretty much the only thing that is at the moment. Okay, that's me done. That's my moment out of the way. Get your views in throughout the course of the week, radio.net forward slash contact. Of course, make sure you uh, listen to the preview show midweek. It comes out on a Wednesday. But more importantly, you're getting an extra podcast a day from us at the moment on our advent calendar. We're on day three. Yeah. Today <laughs> day three, yeah. Day yep. three. So day one was Neil Shipley with the most incredible Christmas dinner related uh, chat you've ever heard. Just listen to it and then get really, really hungry. Honestly, it's like two and a half hours of cheese. Anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> an
3: eaten before you listen to it. <laughs> That's
1: right, yeah. if you have. <laughs> uh, second up, we had Peter Ramage. I'm not going to spoil any of that, but Rambo was his usual brilliant self. And today's I'm not spoiling anything. It's pretty late in the day. So today's door had richard shaw behind it some really great chat with uh, with richard um obviously he's you know the big cheese <laughs> in our academy at the moment uh, with the under 18s and doing a, not the under 18s that's paddy the under 23s is richard shaw uh, got some really interesting stuff to say on that so do download those podcasts make sure you subscribe you get a new one every single day oh who's behind door number four tomorrow i can't remember so i can't
0: spoil it for you but <laughs>
1: but it's all good anyway uh, yeah that's it that's it anyone anything from you lot before we go uh massive games massive games
0: yeah we need to we need to beat we need to beat Bournemouth and get a draw against Watford at least
1: i agree i say for for me two wins out of the next three games is vital for us to to set ourselves up for a a good january window and a good christmas period and um give ourselves a proper fight and chance nick
3: yeah, we, we're on this little unbeaten run now. Um, West Ham are bottom. Uh, Swansea are below us still. We're off the bottom. We never thought it would happen this quickly. So onwards and upwards, and, and let's have some positive so we can get the players pushing for their spot in the team so they don't get ousted in the window. Next three weeks, crucial. And Lucy? Yeah, absolutely. Points at,
4: Points against Bournemouth are... A must. Um, I think anything less than a win is is not good enough, to be honest.
1: Absolutely right. Well, Lucy said it. You've heard it. Uh, thank you very much to Marky for t- producing. And he said that correctly there. Uh, thank you for, to Nick, to Lucy and to DR for being with me today on the panel. And thank you to you for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye.